and welcome to this Dice Populi bonus fifth Wednesday episode. Today we have got another Between Two Rolls for you, where Ryan Mossbarger is going to sit down and really dig into the nitty-gritty of our one and own Pat Brem and his whole mind and psyche, uh, what he likes about D&D, Dice Populi, other, you know, TTRPG stuff, and really just a lot of life things in general. These two go way back, so it's a very fun conversation as they dig into some details. There are going to be some mild spoilers in the back half for things like, um, uh, what is it, uh, Critical Role and The Legend of Vox Machina. So just keep an eye for that. Nothing really story-based, but if you haven't caught up on that stuff and you want to, after the breakaway in the middle, just be aware that that might be coming in hot and fast. That said, you will have a delightful time, regardless of your status on such things. I think Ryan uh, has put together a couple of very fun conversations, much like he did with me a couple of months ago. So I'm going to get out of the way for now. About halfway through, I will pop back in for the mid-episode uh, mid breakaway as we transition out of Season of the Fractures and into something entirely new. That's enough from me. Let's hear what Ryan and Pat have to say to each other about things. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our hit podcast within a podcast between two roles. I'm your host, Ryan Mossbarger, and today I have a very special guest, Pat Brem. Say hello, Pat. Hello, Pat. Ha ha! That's the classic banter we look for here. (laughs) So, Pat, if you're unfamiliar with this, we're about to take a deep and dark voyage in your little cranium, and we're going to expose all of your deepest and darkest secrets to an audience best measured in the tens of people. Are you ready for your mm-hmm. deepest, the deepest shards of yourself that you you always keep hidden to be exposed to the greater public? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> so I think this is the same question I, I told Colin. This is the, I think this is a good starter question, especially for our crew. How do you know the other members of our podcast? All right. So... I think I'm the only one who does know all of the people. Physically, I think, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up in Schenectady, New York, with Colin, Chowder, and Matt all going to the same... Well, I'm not sure about Chowder, actually, but I went to the same middle school with Colin, and then I went to high school with Matt Canavan and uh, Chowder. We were mostly in different friend groups, but they kind of migrated together over time. I was on the swim team with Matt. I acted in plays with both Matt and Colin. Chowder was friends with the group of people that made the common geeking program. Uh, So I would hang out with him when we all got together for that stuff. And then Ryan, I met at college because he was friends with my big, Mike Goldstein. Uh, And I went to Mike's apartment or like dorm for a an Edward 40 hands or like a, a 40 thing at one point. Uh, and as soon as I walked in the door, Ryan said I needed to catch up. So I chugged a hurricane and that was a bad decision. Yeah, that was a bad one. I think I tried. But his to, friendship I, was not a bad yes, decision. I think the thing too is like, I'm going to, I was drinking these 40s and I was like, I'll finish my second 40 before you can finish your first, Pat. And mm-hmm. uh, it did not go well for me. It was so bubbly. I got so burpy. Yep. And then you finished your first and then you, we both were having bad times because I could not <laughs> stop burping. And I felt like, yeah. I, and I, I don't think mine was a hurricane. I think mine was like a, just a simple malt liquor. It was mine not was a definitely fortified. A- 
mine was my your like yours was like a high gravity or something like that yeah. mine was just a simple 40 but yeah and but then no. we like worked together in the shop for a lot and and all that fun stuff yeah so you did graduate before i did which was sad but you true. know i think you honestly you didn't get me into D necessarily but we played a little bit we had that one shot in the machine shop which was interesting scarring to say the least scarring yeah. to say the least but yeah so <laughs> we we were so we were all, we went to the same school we were also kind of doing we, i think you were mechanical or were you aerospace i was mechanical with the concentration and arrow because yes. they don't have the fucking yeah i was the same minor so we were, or whatever we were treading down the same path but uh, i think yeah. what you were two years below me i graduated in 2016 Yes, so you were you were two years below me. We hung out a decent chunk in in yeah. the later years. I feel like, and we also worked together, which was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. And our and our our first joint venture into Dungeons and Dragons was a very scarring one shot that mm -hmm. to 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 put a blanket statement on it was sexually infused in an uncomfortable way. Yep, and I think that's enough. I think that's all we have to say. <laughs> I think so too. It was a weird one, but yeah, you probably are the because I've never met any of the other cast mm -hmm. in person i've not been in the same room i've not even probably been in the same state at the same time as anybody else on the podcast most likely not because they pretty much just spend all their time in new york except matt's traveling a lot recently kind of interesting i think we almost all of us started out on common geeking program so what made you want to be in podcasts like common geeking program and eventually dice populi honestly i didn't want to be but like <laughs> the fame found you it was it was more like all my friends were doing this thing and I figured, eh, I could I could join in, I could be funny, it would be interesting. So I started doing it and over time I stopped really being interested in the common geeking program aspect of it, as many people would would notice. I haven't been on an episode in quite a long time. Same. It's um, been like two years now. <laughs> right. Uh I the 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 book club common reading program type formula is not really my my bag but i do like comedy and i like being creative so when we started well when colin said hey i want to do an actual play podcast i know you've been a dm in the past would you be interested and i was like yeah sure whatever that'd be fun and then we we all got together had a good time r.i.p josh but you know yeah, chatter's filling in nicely i liked doing the common geeking program because i i feel like i'm a bit of a motor mouth when it comes to sub subjects that i'm very interested in and i can talk about them a lot but it's also one of those things too where it's Especially now, because we have like we have a hard enough time scheduling dice oh, populi yeah. stuff. I yep. couldn't imagine trying to schedule anything else on top. I mean, of they right do now. it very well. I feel like Jeff just says, "Hey, who wants to record a podcast?" And then two other people are like, "I'll do it." And then they just fucking hop in a channel and do it. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot more lax. Like when I was doing it a lot, and I think when you were doing it a lot, there was like a script you had, had to script, read. Yeah. There was a format. Like uh -huh. it was very precise, uh, <laughs> and it was a little nerve-wracking to like yeah. get through the other thing is i don't like consume as much media as they do on a regular basis like i will regularly not see movies in theaters and wait for them to come out i still haven't seen what's it called fucking spider-man I, I have seen Spider-Man. I have not seen the Justice League Snyder cut. I haven't seen a couple other things that have been. I haven't watched Peacemaker yet. Like all I, these things. I have a brave take. You can skip mm -hmm. the Snyder cut. It's like 
It's not. It's it's like fine. It's so long. It I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's way too long. It should have just been a mini series. And also the four is like, oh, I'm gonna do it. What is it like a four by three, like a standard yeah. like '80s setup? I was like, fuck you. Like that's so mm-hmm. stupid. I will say though, as somebody that has recently got into Peacemaker and I've been watching it, highly recommend. If you like, did you watch yeah. um the most recent Suicide Squad, like the kind of soft reboot they did? No, I haven't seen that either. So I gotta oh. watch that and then I'll watch that. That's also on but... HBO. I highly recommend that one. That's pretty yeah. good. If you liked the concept of the first one but did not like the execution you'll probably like the new one. yeah i'm sure i will like it because i like james gunn's stuff in general but i just like i'm trying to finish several other things like uh i haven't finished expanse yet that's on the oh, list so um, good i haven't finished the ozarks yet i gotta I gotta watch that abby and i still have not finished our ted lasso watch through even though i've seen it all she has not yeah me and jasmine watched all the ted lasso together we bought an apple plus subscription just to watch ted lasso it's very good uh, uh, we we went on a trip recently to go see her parents and it was on the plane plane. yeah that's how they got me too oh my god it's the first two episodes and it gets like i know it's so delightful it's such like a nice little palate cleanser of a show and it's like Mm -hmm. so well shot and all the characters are so well done and interesting you're like fuck i got I, like i got home and i told her like we should just get apple plus so we can finish out mm-hmm. ted lasso <laughs> right yeah i got it thing. for free because i got a new phone and they give you like a year of it for free but oh nice yeah that would have been nice we we did not have that option unfortunately <laughs> yeah that's really good and then they got another show that's that's coming out that's like a a, a new year's party where somebody dies and it's yeah. like a whodunit but it's funny I did see that. I, that, that I'm interested in that. But uh, let's run down some of the other stuff here. So you're, you're into The Expanse. I just finished The Expanse a couple of weeks ago. And now I'm reading mm-hmm. the books. Are you are you super big into The Expanse? Or are you just kind of like so-so? I really like the show. Um, I'm in season five, episode 10 right now. So mm-hmm. um, what's his face? Amos and not Julie. Who's her sister? God. The oh, Mao. Yeah, Jewel uh I, I can't remember her name. Her name. I yeah. want to say it's Jules, but it's not Jules. Uh they call her no, Peaches in the They show. call her Peaches, yeah, 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 yeah. So they just launched back to ter- uh to Luna. We found out the fucking Rosanante is now suspicious that the distress call that Naomi left is false or she's like still okay but yeah there's a trap going on. It's about to get hectic. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping to finish this one out so that I can go watch season six but season six uh, is good it's short though i think before that they did 10 episode seasons and i think episode six is only six episodes i can tell you in a second but another thing that you may or may not know is that they did some bonus shorts for each episode or i guess the first five episodes of season six but you can only watch them on like a phone so you have you have to do like the x-ray thing and go to bonus content Uh, it's worth it though like they're not they do that they don't really give any extra information but it's a nice little like look back they're all talking about like their experiences on a ship and like how a ship functions mm. a little bit and you kind of yeah, get to only see six so you get to see them kind of work as a crew a little bit and how their dynamic works out so it's kind of interesting uh-huh. it's a nice little bonus i am sad that it is over it feels very unfinished like it's it seems like there's so much more story to tell and there's mm-hmm. a lot of books so there's like nine right. books i think yeah, they're sure you'll get like the fifth I'm or sure. sixth I'm sure you'll get that experience out of the the book aspect of it, but I highly recommend the books. The books actually yeah. read; they're different. It's different enough where you can still 
there's still some things you don't quite know that are going to happen. Like, you know, the big points, like nothing big has changed, but a lot of the players and a lot of the characters are subtly different. And it keeps you reading. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Like, if you're a reader, I highly recommend the books. Uh, I'm not, but I'm trying to be. Okay. Maybe <laughs> I even haven't the read a book in a long time. Yeah, audiobooks might not be too bad. Because, like, if I could work from home and use the hour that I use to commute to like do other stuff i would be much more inclined to read but as it sits i get up in the morning i take care of my animals i like shower go to work i go to the gym and then i come home and by the time i'm home i like need to shower i need to cook i need to eat i need to like spend some time with abby yeah (laughs) and then after i'm done with that i gotta go to bed yeah no i agree with that even if your commute is short this the prep the prep time for getting like going to work and all the stuff and like preparing for your day outside of your own home takes up a lot of time and then in re-engaging back into your home life because you have to like you know take off you you change you have to take care of your animals do all that other opposite end of the stuff and then Mm -hmm. by the time you're like actually sitting down and ready to do something it's like six or seven o'clock right so i see that um Oh my god, you guys in your games. I have not been gaming at all. Like for the, I haven't touched a game in the past like three weeks. I don't know why. Because there's no a lot reason. of good ones. Um, I don't know. I keep on getting stuck. Like I, I feel, I'm almost feel like I'm too lazy to pick up a controller at this point. <laughs> well, then just use a mouse and keyboard. That's true. <laughs> so moving back to some of these uh, hard hitting questions. Uh, everybody on. Uh, so you're part of Common Geeking program. And everybody mm-hmm. on Common Geeking Program had to, like, apply at a certain point. Or at least I know I did. And we had to list out our, our like, domains of nerddom mm-hmm. slash geekdom. Do you remember what yours were? Or what do you perceive yourself as, like, a nerdy expert in? Um, at the time, it was comic books and uh, Xbox video games and, like, a, a little bit of TV. But now, I have not read comics in a long time because, A, they're expensive as fuck now. And B, they don't really pay their people well. So all the money that I would be paying doesn't even go to the artists and the writers, really. The other aspect of that is they just keep running out of ideas. So they fucking, every time they come up with a new idea that contradicts something that already happened, they have to reset the universe or like make an alternate universe for it to (laughs) to occur in. And I'm really not stoked on that. So I mostly just consume like uh, TV and movies now, video games. I don't really read I'm trying to read, but um, I was a lot better about reading in high school because, like, you had to. Yeah. But ever since college, I've just been like, fuck that noise. I'm going to go play Mass Effect. Yeah, I've definitely dropped off in my reading. I picked up reading again recently. So I'm a little journey into my life. My wife is relatively religious, and she uh, had us sign up for this thing called Seek 2022, which is kind of like Lent, but it's in a different, it's before Lent. And the whole point is to give up various, like, so they have several parts of it. You're supposed to give up media or technology. You're supposed to go on a specific, like, fast or reduce or actually eliminate like sugar caffeine and alcohol and then there's another one where you're supposed to like i can't remember i think you're supposed to like pledge to read a certain amount of bible a day so i had to sign up for something uh which was i just got rid of alcohol like i don't really drink that much during the week anyway and uh uh sugar i don't eat that much sugar and caffeine i don't even drink coffee so it was very easy for me to just sign up for that but jasmine she decided that she was going to eliminate all tv and movies (laughs) 
God damn. So whenever, and we go back and forth to visit, she is still um, going, uh, she's still in Air Force training right now. So we're visiting each other every other week and we're trading off. So it's really awkward for me to sit there and like my face in a, a phone watching TV while she's sitting there reading a book. It feels very awkward and distracting. Mm-hmm. So I have taken, I, I bought the Expanse books to be like, all right, out for the weekend, I will, <laughs> I will do your thing and we'll share in your pain. The only issue is, like, I was talking to some of our family afterwards. They're like, oh, Ryan, why didn't you get rid of technology? I was like, one, I do podcasts and all this other stuff, and I do TikToks mm-hmm. that I need to watch TV for. So it'd be very disingenuous if I said I was doing that and still watch TV for TikToks. And then two, there's not enough books in, like, I would go bankrupt in books. I read the entire Expanse book, which is about 550 pages, and mm-hmm. I read it in a day and a half. <laughs> So so between the the weekend that I was with Jasmine, I read that book and I was done. Like I had nothing to do by Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Like once I get engaged with something, like I'm very fast reader. And also I feel like it's it's like I need I need content to like not be bored. It's probably some like subtle ADHD thing on my part. But I would I would go probably crazy if I didn't have something to distract me at least a certain chunk of the day. (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely need to consume stuff. Like, while I'm at work, I have music and uh, YouTube videos and stuff playing all the time. Oh, yeah. I, I used to do podcasts. I had a variety of podcasts I would listen yeah. to. Well, that's where I got into Dimension 20, because the first season is all on YouTube. So I, like, listened to the whole season, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, I can't listen to it at work anymore. Um, so I had to, like, find other stuff. And I've been just watching, like, Ludwig nonstop. <laughs> I mean, do they... Do they not have so what do they do with the other seasons? Do they move it to like Twitch or something or it's on Dropout. They're oh, uh, their proprietary so... service now. Boo. It's honestly, I will say, Dropout is very good. They have um many shows that they like make for the, the service and mm-hmm. Uh, Dimension 20 pumps out multiple podcasts now at this point. So they've got like uh, the seven, which was still in the, the fantasy high universe. They've got a new podcast that's coming out, which is in um, a sci-fi that's using the five WSE or five ESW. Okay. It's a star Wars adaptation of five E. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool. They have, Another one that's like a murder mystery that takes place in uh, like early Victorian Great Britain type stuff. So there's a lot of content on there and it's only like five bucks a month or something. So it's not too bad. And the 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 one thing that Abby and I really, really like is they have a game show where the the rules change every single time. <laughs> so there's one where like. It's it's three uh, of the dropout employees and uh, Sam Reisinger is the owner. He is the one who like puts on the show. So um, there's one where it's like Sam says and they have to do Simon says and Sam says do this. Sam says do this, whatever. And the, the rules change throughout the thing. There's another one where they all have to like they're given a prompt and they have to make a sound effect to go along with that prompt. And it's the funniest fucking thing ever. Uh, and the most recent one that I watched was the three people had to put together like a Broadway musical together. Like they had a, a, a live pianist playing and they would just improv all the words and stuff. And it was, it was incredible. That sounds pretty so, great. I might have to give it a shot because I I've watched a lot of critical role, not recently, mm-hmm. but I've also watched, like I listen to a lot of our friend podcasts. We have some friends in the podcast game. I listen to their podcast, but dimension 20 is a bit of a blind spot for me. I've it's only very seen good. an episode or two. The I'm pretty sure the first season is still on YouTube, so you can you can pick it up there. It is 
it's not in the same vein as Critical Role will be. It's Less a lot dramatic, more right? right. It's a lot more lighthearted, but there's still some some heavy moments that that sometimes happen. But it's it's comedy because it's a college humor slash dropout thing. They're all improv actors and yeah. comedians, all uh, relatively but, funny people together. It's yeah. gonna be jokey. Right. There's a lot of a lot of comedy and Brennan Lee Mulligan is a very good dungeon master. So yeah, it's, everything it's I've good. seen him in has been just an absolute delight. They have mm-hmm. uh, the CEO series on college humor where like he plays a different CEO from a different industry like Oreos or whatever. And he knocks it out of the park. It's so funny every yeah, single time. He's great. There's one time there's one. I don't want to ruin it for you, but there's a, one moment in the show. I think it's in season two where one of the party members digs themselves into a hole and tries to like get brennan to let them leave that hole without (laughs) much rigmarole and brennan just doubles down and he's like no you started this shit you're gonna try to fuck with me i'm making this happen it's so good it's amazing i i appreciate that as a dungeon master sometimes you just gotta stick it to your players i think it's fair to say that we're both nerds i feel like everybody on the the podcast is a nerd were you a nerdy late bloomer or have you always been kind of a nerd I've always been kind of a nerd. I've always played video games. Um, I didn't get like deep into the nerdy stuff until later. Like I was a very surface level nerd, I would say. I dug into comic books at a at a young age, but I didn't really dig into like I played Halo. I played Mass Effect. I didn't dig into the stories much. I just was like, oh, I shoot alien alien head. Go boom. Yay. and that was it but now i'm trying to like get more into the stories and all that stuff it's very interesting and that's why i like all of these sci-fi shows that are a little bit more uh dark and mysterious and all that i've been watching in addition to the expanse i've been watching blacklist which isn't really sci-fi but it is like uh mystery thriller what the fuck is happening type shit but i i definitely did and then like when it started getting time to get serious about college and shit i didn't play a lot of video games and all that stuff but every now and then i'd like hop on to play halo i was big into guitar hero and tony hawk those were like my feel-good games and then every time other people were on i'd hop on halo with them i didn't really get into the the nitty-gritty until I had a disposable income. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I uh, I played video games when I could, uh, even all the way through college. But I le- I didn't think of myself as like a nerd, even though yeah. I was a engineer and like did relatively nerdy stuff on the regular. I thought of myself as like, oh, I'm too cool for some of this nerd stuff. And then right, as but I... like engineering stuff was we were doing it for school. It wasn't a hobby. It was our fucking potential career path. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, you know, I, I fought the idea that I was a nerd for such a long time. And yeah. then once I kind of got out of college, I was like, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm yeah. graduated. I have my own income. Like, who? What do I care if somebody else thinks I'm a nerd? Right. I mean, we were on Baja. Like, making a fucking uh, dune buggy out of a lawnmower engine is objectively a nerdy thing to do. But it's a nerdy. It was fun. And I remember, like, every time there was a rocket launch, me and my friends would go down to the Lincoln Memorial to watch it. Because yeah. you could see, if they were launching out of Maryland, you could see them burn right behind the Washington Monument. You could see the ISS fly overhead every now and then because it wasn't, like, super bright in D.C. Yeah, if you're in the middle of the park, you sometimes get yeah. away with it. But no, yeah, D.C. was a magical place. I miss D.C. Mm-hmm. Having moved to Texas now. Yeah, D.C. was great. I miss DC so much. It was such a great city. Expensive as fuck, but but great. Oh yeah, so expensive, and I don't miss the metro. Mm-hmm. Um, really? I, I loved the metro. I as I took the, the heavy... metro as much as I could. 
I don't know. Maybe it's because I was I got a little jaded with the Metro. Every time I got on that fucking thing, I'd be because I'd have to go. I'd have to use it. I used to have to use it on the daily for commuting. Mm-hmm. But then for my job, I'd have to use it about two, three times a week to go to like the Navy Yard or some other place. It's just it just sucks. It's going to be 30 yeah. minutes. It's always hot. It's either. It's, right. There's a particular kind of like muggy hot that happens on a Metro train that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world that I just don't miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was always like lucky in the sense that I was never using it to get somewhere on time. I was always using it just to go across town and like go fuck around. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was like going to dinner on the other side of the fucking White House one time, one of my friends was like, let's take an Uber there. I was like, or we could just take the Metro. It'll get us there like pretty much the same time. And it's three dollars. And Uber was going to be like a lot because it was snowing and like everybody was taking ubers or whatever i was like no let's just fucking go on the metro and they were adamant that they were not going to do that and i was like all right fuck you i'm gonna go on the metro as somebody because i live in texas now i live in san antonio in the suburbs it it is like trading one bad horse for another because Mm -hmm. to go anywhere in the suburbs there's so much traffic just in the suburbs it takes like 40 fucking minutes to go anywhere at least i I could turn my brain off before and like read a book or like watch some tv on my phone or something you know I could just like zone out on the metro, not have to worry about anything. When I'm driving, I get pissed off at all of the people <laughs> in Arizona because they don't fucking know how to drive, dude. It's so annoying. I get cut off on the regs. Oh, it's the same in Texas. People are crazy out here. They will speed past you and pull in front of you and then immediately. And then slow down. down. Yeah. It's like, what? And it happens fucking all the time. So when I'm driving, drivers, I'm driving to San Angelo, which is about three hours away from where I am in San Antonio. And it's there's some stints where it's basically like two lane highways and without fail. And I'll put like I'll put a, a comfortable modifier above the speed limit that I feel like it's not too high. And people I won't get pulled mm-hmm. over for. And I'll put on cruise control and it will stay that speed the entire time I'm out there. It never uh-huh. fails. People will pass me and then immediately slow down. So I have to like press on the brake and like it screws up my cruise control. And then yeah. I have to wait to pass them again. And then I can go back to my normal speed. It happens yeah. like four times in a trip. Ugh. There's this, there's this specific corridor between tucson and phoenix where it's only a two-lane highway and it's like a a zero tolerance no there's no passing lanes it's just it's just two lanes uh and it's a zero tolerance speed control zone or whatever fuck that so everybody's afraid to like go even a couple miles an hour over the speed limit but it'll be so bad that there will be a line of people trying to pass a semi truck in the right lane that like one person is barely going over the speed limit for and then somebody in the left lane will cut into the right lane and speed up in front of the line of cars and like try to cut in in front further up because it's literally like an empty right lane up until that semi and all these people waiting in the left lane to fucking pass oh my it is God. a nightmare and i hate it so much we just got to get rid of all government right <laughs> we just gotta make like honestly the only reason why i want self-driving cars is because everybody else on the road will at least be fucking predictable that's true i talked to jason about that and like what i want i was like i don't care so much about like the responsibility of not driving or like mm-hmm. oh you just get in a car and it goes like hopefully things will be a lot faster and, and safer they'll, they'll all be talking to each other and hopefully avoid collisions and then i like think about it you could literally get in the car turn on the tv or whatever and it'll be like it'll be like flying in an airplane you just right. arrive where you need to go and that's mm-hmm. that's the dream right there yeah. and insurance would hopefully be so fucking low too like you, insurance would be like ten dollars a month i would love i it. mean theoretically but you know they're gonna find a way to fuck us yeah yeah of course it's gonna be like a million dollars because there's gonna be a supercomputer in all of our cars mm-hmm. <laughs> 
yeah, that's that's what it's going to be. Is all the cars going to be way more expensive? So like, <laughs> they have to adjust the price of insurance to compensate for that. Uh, it um, sucks. Honestly, if trains were better, I would take a train to work all day, all day, every day. Trains aren't too bad. I took. They're there was so a, slow. There was a train like, line that went between various places in D.C. and Maryland. There's like a VRE mm-hmm. and a Mark train. Yeah. It was like a double-edged sword. It was so cheap to use, but if there would be there would be occasions where it would just be the shittiest ride possible. It took yeah. forever. There would be a lane obstruction or something like that, and you might be there for a long time. Yeah, it's like. Uh, fucking New York has the same thing. If you go from the city up to Poughkeepsie and then like drive the rest of the way, it's fine. Uh, but Amtrak fucking blows. They're so slow. They're so expensive for how slow they are too. It's it's ridiculous. But nobody rides the train anymore, so they have to up their prices to offset it. But like, if you go anywhere foreign, the train system is great. You can get almost anywhere in another country by riding a train. If you wanted to go, I understand that America is obviously a larger country, but like we have not very many high speed rail systems. All of our rail infrastructure is old as fuck. So it's not like we can increase the speed on those without doing some major overhauls. And it's like not many people actually ride it in the first place. So they're not getting all this money in and they don't think it's worth fixing. But like if there was a high speed way for me to get across the country that wasn't flying, I would do it. So I looked into that one time. There was a special report or like an investigation that was done on that because high-speed rail is super common in Asia. It is super common in Europe. And it's supposed to be like there's a lot of ideas for it happening in America that have never taken off. And there's a lot of ideas for it in like South America. So they did a study. And what they found out was is that for whatever reason to do anything rail-related in America, like to build rail projects in America and mega projects in general, it was like three to four times as expensive as anywhere else in the world. Um, mm-hmm. It was even like two to three times more expensive than Russia where the, the corruption is so crazy that Mm -hmm. like half the money is going directly into the pockets of like private individuals and they were like well let's figure out what it was and they try to look it's not corruption and it's not because like prices are higher or work is higher it's because there's such a weird conflicts of like governmental bodies and private industry that any one of those cogs not showing up for a meeting delay something by like a month. So they found out like, cause they were trying to make um, Amtrak or somebody for Amtrak was trying to do some updates to rail and what would happen or like New York city was trying to update the Amtrak lines through New York city to make them better and to update them and all that other stuff. So New York city would set up meetings with like the railroad commission and Amtrak and all these other things. And then like some of those meetings, Amtrak just wouldn't show up. So they would they can't they can't have the meeting because Amtrak owns those railways, right. so they can't do anything about it. And like that lost meeting would cost would basically equate into millions of dollars of lost time, effort, and everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not even due to corruption; it's pure ineptitude in the American yeah. system, and it's so frustrating because high speed lines from like say like New York to DC makes so much sense. They have the Excella or whatever, but it's just so expensive. It's so expensive. It's cheaper to fly. It's so expensive. And it also, it's not high speed. It's, it, they can go like 40 miles higher than the other yeah. trains, but they're still. Yeah, it's not like a bullet train. It's not a bullet train. And then they are still ass to front. There are slower cha- trains in front of it and behind it. Yeah. So it can't speed up. It, it can speed up for short distances, like when a train pulls off in a different direction, but it, it's going to eventually meet the ass of another slower train and it can't go faster. <laughs> right. So it's just really stupid. All right. It well, is stupid. Let, let, America let's delve back in general into these. is inept. Yeah, yeah. Let's delve back into some of these nerdy questions before this becomes a uh, a travel <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we all know 
we like to podcast and we like D&D. Uh, do you have any other hobbies and would anybody find them surprising in any way? Um, I don't think they would find them surprising. I play the drums uh, and the guitar. I am much better at the drums. Um, guitar is just like way harder to me because you have to read music and you have to have both your hands doing like vastly different things. And the drums, you just have four limbs like beating the shit out of something. Which is really fun. Um, I go to the gym. I lift weights. I just recently started getting into whiskey. So I have a couple, uh, not like ridiculously impressive bottles of whiskey, but some interesting ones. I think all of those things are not weird in any way, though. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely, I used to be more of a gym rat. I am not a gym rat. And um, it's it's been it's been a while. Mm. And uh, I'm with you on whiskey. I have recently, maybe in the last year or so, I feel like it, I was always, I've like never disliked whiskey and I would always have some whiskey I around. I used to hate it. I used to absolutely hate whiskey. And then I like something clicked for some reason. Yeah. Maybe it, we're just, be, we're just coming into our dad energy. <laughs> I think it was also just like, I hadn't tried good whiskey. I had tried Jack Daniels and Maker's Mark and shit. Well, okay. Maker's Mark is, is objectively a good one, but I don't think I like the kind of whiskey that Maker's Mark is. I don't really like the weeded bourbons, but yeah, I think most of my exposure of to like a whiskey, and especially my college years, is like going to a bar and getting like a whiskey sour, right? At like a five dollar like rail drink or, or something. something. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like, I had Jim, I had Jack, I had all the the shitty ones, and I was like, that's it. I don't like whiskey. When actually, I didn't like shitty whiskey. You don't like, you don't like bottom of the barrel, like plastic yeah. jar <laughs> jug whiskey. Oh man, I don't. Which is weird because I was watching, I was watching football last week with one of my friends, and uh, he had a whole bunch of people come over to his house because he's a big Bengals fan. So we were like, all right, we'll watch the game at your place. And somebody brought Gentleman Jack as a mixer with Coke, and I was like, why wouldn't you just get the normal Jack, which is a lot cheaper? It's classier that way. It's a classy. I don't care Jack. if it's classy. You're making Jack and Coke with it. <laughs> hey, sometimes you got to use quality ingredients yeah. to get a quality beverage. <laughs> I am learning what I like, and I got a couple interesting bottles. I got this one that's made in Vermont, where they take the the. Well, this is specifically a rye mix, so they have. This, uh, this rye, they put half of it into, I think, Bordeaux barrels, some sort of red wine barrel, and the other half stays in its normal oak barrel. And then they ship it. They don't ship it. They drive it in a big rig across the country to California, where they take the half that's in its original barrel and they transfer it to barrels that were used with, um, I think it's 805 Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had stouts and like experimental things in there and they, they put that half in there and then they drive it back across the country up to Vermont and they bottle it. So it's half interesting, half wine aged, half quarter beer aged. Interesting. <laughs> I, I have something not quite like that, but I have a, so Jefferson, Jefferson whiskey, they have it like something yeah. called Jefferson ocean where yeah, they talk about, they put it on boats. Yeah. They put it on boats and it's supposed to, it's supposed to make it. Uh, of the sea i don't know i i like it i've had i think well they have different runs of it and i think they're right. it's on different ships so it ends up being very different i remember going to a office party and a co-worker's husband being like hey uh you should really try this this is jefferson ocean they still have it. i was like oh okay and i we both like had some jefferson ocean together and we were like talking and i was like oh my god this is probably the best whiskey i've ever mm -hmm. had jasmine bought me a bottle maybe six months later and it was completely different it did not taste the same and it's still right. good but it did not taste the same at i've all. heard a similar thing on uh one of the the whiskey youtube channels i follow uh they said that they had a, a batch that was like 
incredible. And then they bought two other batches after that to like try them out and they were dog shit. So it's like, it's that. really hit or miss, I feel like. Yeah, because um, the one that I had at that dinner party was... Are they single barrels? Amazing. I don't know. I could probably, if I got up, I could probably check it. Yeah. But I feel like So, yeah, that's the other thing. Is like, for a single barrel, you are at the mercy of whatever that barrel was. Every other one, they take the, the barrels and they mix them together. You get a much more consistent product. But, like, I got one of my local whiskey bars. Um, They had a uh, an anniversary event where they had some of the, the Buffalo Trace Antique collection. So I got to try a bunch of expensive ass whiskeys that I will never get to try ever again <laughs> in my life. But they were super good. They uh they had uh the Thomas Handy Sazerac rye, which was the most delicious whiskey I've ever had in my life. Mm. Um they had a bunch of other rare ones, but they were also selling a Knob Creek barrel pick, which is 120 proof. It's fucking gnarly but it's it's like at their their mercy they go fly out to kentucky or wherever the fuck uh knob creek is made i think it's kentucky and then they they try that barrel and they're like yep i want that one and if you don't happen to like that barrel well you got an entire bottle of whiskey that you fucking hate (laughs) oh yeah no yeah i could see that you know it's kind of like um like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get (laughs) yep that's yeah that's pretty good like it's it's a box of chocolates for every barrel and some barrels are really really good and other barrels just blow or like a little so-so because like this year even the 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 buffalo trace antique collection stuff there was one the 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 george t stag of the year they just straight up did not release to the public because they said it it was not living up to their standards yeah their barrels probably something wrong with the barrels or the way that they i mean there's a lot of also i mean depending on how they store it and like the Mm -hmm. weather that year there's so many variables Right. And like freak storms and, you know, if it's unnaturally cold during the summer, it could really mess with your with your uh, flavor profile. So I could see yeah. that. It is an art. And what? Um, is your family into nerdy stuff? But we could also, you can include Abby into this. Is your mm. family into nerdy stuff? Or are you kind of like the lone nerd in a, in a Chad family? Uh, my brother plays video games. He read comics. He's like into all that stuff. I, he's not to the same level. It's more like just he's nerd adjacent i would say um i am definitely the the most nerdy my godfather is the person who got me into comics though he has a massive collection from when he was a kid so i got like a lot of the good stuff which is why i fell in love with him at first i was reading like 1980s like like 1980s wolverines and things like that uh a little bit into the 90s and then that's when i got into like the house of m the civil war all the big comic events that were really good and then when i was a kid that was when dc went into the blackest night brightest day arc which i thought was very good jeff johns wrote a lot of really cool stuff um i started getting into the batman uh one not one shots but like uh what's it called um the killing joke and oh my god there's another one there's a really really big uh event that batman had i can't remember off the top of my head though uh so i started getting into those mostly because i could go to barnes and noble get like one book for 20 ish bucks and that would have an entire story in it and i didn't have to wait week after week after week for comics to come in so i liked that a lot i did that too i have i did some deadpool books mm-hmm. and then i, I did... was really into watchmen as a kid too oh my god oh I yeah i remember watchmen. watchmen and v for vendetta like the uh Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Alan Moore. Oh yeah, Alan Moore. He's he's one of the big names. Never got the cred that he deserved, which is unfortunate. 
Never got he didn't the... want the cred. Like, every time he was in an interview, he'd be like, I fucking hate all of you. Don't talk to me. Yeah, I f- but, like, I so his daughter, I think he passed relatively recently, the last couple of years, but his daughter talks about it occasionally, because I think she's in the industry now. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, really, he was a completely different person, but he got screwed by, I think either, I think it was Marvel. He got screwed yeah. by Marvel so bad, it completely broke his worldview about comics. And that's what, that darkness helped him create some very interesting comics but it also yeah. made him a very bitter person because like, his heroes he was, betrayed him he was also pissed off about the movie adaptations because he didn't think they lived up to the source material V for vendetta is a straight up different story that is true like it is about totalitarianism and uh blind faith and things like that but it's it's a lot different in the comic it's it's the the movie is more americanized um yeah and it tried to shoehorn some political stuff into what was then george w bush uh and 9-11 type stuff whereas if you read the book it's much more about the the labor movement in england and it doesn't quite fit if you if you look at it in that lens but still just a great great movie great book i mean the watchman movie i think was okay i mean i didn't watchman, like it was it was yes. a little too cheesy for its own good i think they didn't do it a good enough job of that was less the adaptation and more Zack snyder in oh, my yeah, opinion did you watch the hbo <laughs> Uh, Watchmen series? Yeah, I did. I thought that was really good. I thought that was really I, I had good. no idea what to expect when I was going into that, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I I think, I mean, who's to say? Because he was kind of a, he was a little bit of a, he's a bit of a, a brute when it came to that stuff. But I think, I think he would have probably liked that a lot more than the movie. I think so, because it was, it didn't take a story that was written for a different situation and, and try shoehorn to... it in. Exactly. It was using that universe and coming up with a way to fit this new story, which was about uh, the American history of being absolutely shitty to people of color. Yeah. And making it into a, a new story, which was, was very good. Yeah. Um, and it, it had a lot of the same tones. There was like political aspects. Yeah. There was racial so aspects. There was the like... thing that was crazy to me is like, I remember the the discord around it being, oh my god, did you guys watch The Watchmen and find out about this thing called the Tulsa Race Massacre or whatever? Yeah. I was like, did you not learn that shit in school? Like, I guess I went to a northern school. That's a thing. Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I went to a southern school and I learned about it. It was like literally, and I remember it because uh, it was so wild to me in the Mm. context like the teacher just talked about like i don't even think the teacher talked about it it was like a side blurb in a history book about like the antebellum period and it kind of like Mm -hmm. we got into like early early kind of like post uh civil war history and it talked about that it was literally a side blurb and it wasn't until a couple of years after that when somebody had talked about it in college that i googled it and i was like holy shit Mm -hmm. um like why didn't why why are we not learning more about this (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, I was in, I was a history buff as a kid, too. Like, I loved the American Revolution and not so much the Civil War, but, like, the World War II time frames. Those were my my bread and butter. Uh, But when I got into high school, I was in this accelerated learning program called the the International Baccalaureate uh, Program. Uh, And that was less of an Americanized curriculum and more of a global curriculum. So we didn't cover a lot of American history, but we got more into, like, not 
just reading textbooks. It was more like finding sources and things like that. Mm. So I remember a lot of the times, every time I would hear about some new thing, I would like go up to the Wikipedia article and start scrolling through and finding different things to read about. So I had gotten exposure to that through that, realized it was super fucked up. And then like it was on this show and I was like, all right, that's, that's a really great way of uh, bringing this to the masses, I guess. But I was shocked at how few people knew about it. Yeah, it's shocking. And I mean, and I don't necessarily want to get too political, I guess, but it's going to get worse. Like they yeah. are actively taking out that sort of history out of history books right now mm-hmm. under the guise of like all sorts of different lies. And so it's just going to lead to more and more people just being super uninformed about right. like, and I mean, well, it's I mean, not that's the other thing is people think that college is a liberal, like brainwashing yeah. <laughs> industry. <laughs> I mean, I didn't learn about it in co- I mean, it wasn't in a class that I learned about it. It was like know. somebody we we were like at a party or something like that, and we were talking yeah. about something, and somebody brought up. We we're talking about like, well, weird, hey, maybe it was me. <laughs> yeah, no, it could have been like we were just talking about like weird stuff in history that like you just don't like is not widely known. As you know, it's one of those mm-hmm. things. You know, it's not really a party party, but it was like everybody's kind of sitting down drinking, just chit chatting, right. yeah. and like somebody brought that up, and I'm like, I I was like, oh, I've heard about that, and he's like, oh, did you hear about this? And I was like, oh no, like I heard that there was like a riot. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that they dropped bombs from airplanes Mm -hmm. on like civilian people in a city. Well, that is the other thing is it was was a misnomer. By calling it a riot, people didn't realize it was a massacre. Like, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely mislabeled and it's it's labeled in a way that makes it seem like, oh, you know, it was the black people's fault. They destroyed their own towns. Like, no, they did not bomb themselves from biplanes. And and it's just wild to me. Um, hopefully. I do really like that uh, alternate history type stuff, though, uh, where you take a historical event and then look at it through a lens of like a superhero movie or something else. I'm really interested in getting into The Man in the High Castle at some point. Uh, oh, and um, what's that other show? The Handmaid's Tale? I gotta watch oh, both yeah. of those because I think those would be right up my alley. But I I'm... love like National Treasure as a kid was my favorite fucking movie. <laughs> I watched that shit all the time. I loved it. I do like that form of fiction. I watched some on The Man of the High Castle. I watched yeah. the first season, and I think it fell off a little bit. I think I think it's based off either a book or a comic book series, and a lot of people say that the, the comic, the book or comic book series, is really good. And I think mm-hmm. if you stay with the series, uh, like on the Amazon series, it's pretty good. But I I fell off after the first season. I know it got canceled, so I don't know if like oh yeah, it is based on a Philip K. Dick novel. So obviously Philip K. Dick is a fucking phenomenal writer, but. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that Ridley Scott was the person who was producing that. I didn't know that. That's kind of sad that it got canceled. But like uh, the other thing is I really like American political thrillers like uh, Blacklist is one now. But I was super into Lone, not Lone Survivor. Was it Lone Survivor? Lone Survivor. Designated Survivor. Yeah, Designated Designated Survivor. Survivor. That show was bananas, and I wish it was still going, but they they canceled it. I had mixed feelings about Designated Survivor. I liked it the first couple episodes, but once it became... What is that other show? My my wife used to love that show, but it was the... uh, like it was it became too like too much like scandal what mm-hmm. i really wanted was like a political thriller like something like the west wing but lo- like with an addition of a thriller plot but it ended that up that is like how scandal. it ends up though okay. like if you give it time there there becomes that aspect of it because i mean honestly i'm the first season right west wing. the first season is a lot of them just trying to uncover the plot that happened and a lot of people saying you're not actually the president why should i listen to you but like nothing is going to live up to the west wing in that aspect yeah but i thought that designated survivor struck a nice middle ground between the west world and something like an ncis thriller or something like that 
man, going 45 minutes in a Dice Populi episode without hearing my voice has got to be kind of refreshing, but this breakaway is here to shatter that illusion. Hello, we're going to wrap up some seasonal stuff, discuss uh, what we did over Season of the Fractures, and talk about what's coming up next. Uh, just going to take a few minutes here uh, to go through all the things we think you really want to hear about, and any more nitty-gritty details you want, uh, you can find on DicePopuli.com, along with links to everything. As always, if you want to get anybody into the show, just send them to DicePopuli.com. If you haven't been, it's very simple. Front page... It's got the podcast feed and an intro episode right there, but it's also got links to our Discord, our Patreon, our Insta, our Twitter, our our uh, uh, campaign info, pretty much everything. So uh, that's always your one-stop shop if you uh, want to learn more about the show or get someone else into the fold. So first things first, uh, from our Patreon, uh, as uh, as many of you know, we dedicate 20% of Patreon uh, uh, profit to charity. So at the beginning of a season, we set a charity, and the past season, uh, we chose the Trevor Project, for which we have raised uh, $51. So thank you so much for those of you supporting the show. Uh, you allow us to make this pro- this project largely unencumbered, and you are also putting your money toward good causes. Um, uh, as far as community updates, we have uh, some things to talk about with the Discord. Uh, at the beginning of the last season, we brought on a new moderator. Uh, many of you in the community, active in the community, uh, may know Ray. Uh, she has uh, done a tremendous job uh, on the uh, on the Discord, keeping things engaging, coming up with new ideas, uh, one of which we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, but she's also driven some growth. We're at, uh, knocking on the door of 100 active community members in our Dice Populi Discord. Uh, it's becoming a pretty fun place to not just have like regular chat conversations, but um, take polls on the show, get little behind the scenes insights onto what's going on, uh, and interact with those of us that make the show on a regular basis. Uh, and uh, we, we always think it's been very fun since Ryan and Matt sort of put the original thing together, and Ray has sort of helped us elevate that. Um, she has also uh, sort of brought us into, uh, I personally have always struggled trying to find ways to like get community engaged around a single thing uh, every season or every once in a while. Uh, And Ray sort of had nailed that down pretty easily with our first project, which is the Dice Populi Community Coloring Book, Volume 1. Uh, I submitted several images to it myself, and uh, folks in our community uh, went absolutely ham, submitting even more. So we're going to be, you can find a PDF to that on our website. If not right now, then later on the day that this airs, which would be March 30th, 2022. Uh, And that's going to be free for everybody to access. It's a PDF, so you can either print it out on paper and color that way, or load it into a coloring app on any sort of, you know, tablet or drawing device or just on your computer. Um, I think that this is it's got a lot of fun art some representations of things in dicey waters that i really really enjoy uh chatter did some of the cover work ray and i edited it but this was ray spearheading it and thank you so much to all the folks that submitted artwork you are credited in the book uh every artwork is attributed to you uh lizzie ray tamara chowder uh luli you've all it's absolutely wonderful i'm so happy that this thing exists and everyone that wants to can check it out for free um it it's i i've long said that we don't have like canon visualizations of things just because you know i I want the listeners uh to be able to visualize the show however fits them but um uh to be however it fits them uh, and not sort of break it by saying like no this is how i think it looks so uh, all of these renderings are wonderful interpretations of the show and we may do another one in the future uh let's let's see where it goes but um the last thing I want to mention about the past season of Discord is we use the bot Uge to track our um, 
most active participants. So I usually like to go over the top three, and the winner each season uh, gets crowned the the champion of the se- of that season uh, and receives basically a, a a free bit of paraphernalia, either for Dungeons and Dragons or for Dice Populi specifically from our merch store. So uh, at number three this time, this is the second season in a row where they've clocked in at number three. Contributor to our art book, longtime fan, wonderful friend of the show, Luli, you have clocked in at number three. Uh, you uh, came to Uge level 22 uh, with uh, 1.7 thousand messages sent, uh, which is impressive. Uh, number two is our dear friend Primitive Toast, uh, clocking in at number two with also level 22 at 2.1 thousand messages. Pretty big breath in those levels as you get up there, but number one is a relative newcomer to the group uh, and a very vocal participant in in, in the group. Uh, did some gaming stuff with him. It's been an absolute blast to have you. Eroc MTG, winner of Season of the Fractures. Prince slash princess slash monarch of the Fractures. They usually do prince or princess in the Discord, but I'll let them decide what title they would like conferred upon them. Eroc MTG, you uh, clocked in at level 26 with 1.9 thousand messages here in Season of the Fractures. Um, as as the story of Meant to Be has driven some of our characters further and further apart across time and space, uh, it seems as though we have driven you straight to the top. So uh, one of us will be reaching out to you in the next couple of weeks to try to get you set up with a little bit of swag. If you get it, be sure to share it in the Discord and other places just to let people know. I got some cool dice popular swag. This place is cool. This show is great. Um, so congratulations to the three of you for being near the top. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Honestly, I have a lot of fun going over this list uh, at the end of every season. And it's always such a delightful conversation to talk to the winners and get everything squared away. So um, uh, regarding previous winners, Uh, Originally, what we did was we sort of took previous winners out of the pool for, um, we took previous winner season winners out of the pool to win upcoming seasons so that the same people didn't just dominate every season after every season. We've been having conversations about how to fold them back in. Uh, I believe after a year, we're going to drop people back into uh, the into the pool to earn things. But also, we want to start putting previous... Um, we, I, I believe we landed on putting previous winners into the show as NPCs. We already allow people to submit things for the show anyways, but uh, previous winners will get priority for being put into the show as an NPC uh, and may consult with us for details on how they would like that NPC to appear in the show. So if you have won previous seasons, we uh, invite you to share things in our Dice Populi discussion group and the the channel in the Discord uh, as to what you would like to see done in the future. Uh, Meant to be is wrapping up and I will be doing a lot of whole new stuff that we haven't recorded yet, so there's going to be plenty of room for these things to appear. Um, So we're going to be doing some makeup on that. Uh, I will say, though, Ray, our initial season winner, um, I think back in season of the Jerry's. I'm so sorry, Ray, but uh, given that you're part of the show, I don't think I can fairly drop you back into into the prize pool just because you are incentivized to do uh, a bunch of stuff in the Discord. But uh, everybody else, um, unless we sign everybody up as moderators, we'll be a community of moderators. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but that is, uh, that's basically the wrap up for what happened last season. Going into next season, we are going to be launching what we call Season of the Origins. Uh, this is going to tie very closely into some stuff we've got coming up as far as uh, new episodes. Um, not a whole lot to drop here, but that is going to be sort of the theme as we wrap up Meant to Be. So for a sort of a release roadmap, uh, Meant to Be is going to uh, have three more episodes. The first one coming out next week, chapters uh, 65, 66, and 67. The season will be rounded out by three new episodes, the premise of which I'm not going to disclose just yet. And uh, that is all going to lead to um, the 5W at the end of June, 
which will be a question and answer with Chowder about Meant to Be. Our longest adventure, honestly, maybe our most complicated and ambitious adventure, uh, and I think one that ties this world together in ways that we originally, like, just did not conceive of. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very fun question and answer session. Uh, in that session, we will talk about the season after Season of the Origins and what the final adventure of this Dicey Waters campaign is going to look like. Um, but rest assured, Meant to Be is not the end. Uh, in fact, it is merely the beginning. The... Um, and so th that's what the, uh, main podcast feed is going to look like, uh, beyond that, uh, we're always going to try to keep doing more stuff for the Patreon, Entrenched is going to be coming hot and heavy, new episodes of that every month, uh, I think I'm going to do more of those, um, director's commentaries for the Patreon as they come out, the animations, I really want to do more, they are just so tremendously time-consuming, and since I am planning a lot of stuff, I might not get around to those very soon, uh, I mentioned before posting some behind-the-scenes of previous animations, so I may do, uh, a little bit of that but i think some director's commentaries chowder and i are planning a little bit of bonus content as well um but uh, to be honest as far as the patreon goes we are always looking to sort of pump up the numbers of patrons for obvious reasons we have a lot of things we want to do about the show to grow the show keep it going get more people into it um and best thing you can do is tell them about the show the folks that love it because and i mean this is me just speaking as someone that listens to the podcast like if you enjoy the show and you are capable of supporting it i mean the more people that we get into the show the more likely we can do this stuff it, it will allow us to invest in better tools to make the show i've already been able to put patreon funds towards a better sound effects library to some better music uh effects and things like that things that i think have really improved the quality of the show in a tremendous way um beyond just basic podcast hosting stuff investing in tools uh workstations hardware software that uh improve the quality of the show so uh that's a big thing for us but it's uh, i mean beyond asking you to just recommend the show to people or if you if it is with in your means to support the patreon beyond that there's you know that's uh, you know just just what we can ask for is is all we'll do uh our previous community project again Ray's design was uh the coloring book and for this next season uh, we have decided to do something a little more interactive, something that may get uh, our less artistically inclined people to in the community to join up and contribute to this. Uh, based on Ray and Matt's suggestions, we are going to be trying to assemble a community design dungeon. And the current concept for how we're going to execute this is uh, essentially everybody can submit a room or encounter design. Uh, it doesn't have to be combat, it could be puzzles, it could be exploration, it could be totally flavor. Um, but having uh, having a bunch of people submit individual rooms and then we assemble them into a final product uh, is very fun. And then, event, and then just like the coloring book, release that to the group. So if you're looking for something to run yourself, you'll have content right there, a playable thing that you can run. Um, and we'll make that available on our website for free. Uh, maybe even do some Patreon or bonus content or re-record in that dungeon as well. Uh, we're juggling a lot of ideas. The actual submission process, we're still just looking at the logistics of it. So within the next week or two, honestly, within the next episode or two in the breakaway, I will go ahead and, and give you the details on how to contribute to that. Um, I'm really excited about that one. I think that's going to be pretty fun. Last detail is uh, our Patreon charity. We are going to be giving funds towards the World Health Organization's uh, medical relief for uh, people in Ukraine affected by the uh, ongoing war and uh, making sure that, that folks are getting the support that they need. So 20% of our Patreon revenue is going to uh, go to that cause at the end of Season of the Origins. So uh, again, another reason if you want to contribute 
Derby, you can know that your money is not just going to help make the show that you enjoy, but also always to a good cause. Um, so details on this are going to be uh, on DicePopuli.com if you ever need to refer back to them without listening to me ramble for a good 10 minutes or so. And I guess instead of listening to me ramble, why don't we get back to our good friends, Ryan and Pat. I will talk to you guys uh, next week in the next uh, episode's breakaway. But for now, thank you so much for everybody who uh, who is, you know, participated in our community, who listens to our show. Even if you don't participate, we love you lurkers. Stay out there. Stay strong. Uh, congrats to Eric MTG for winning our, our Discord uh, count this season, getting some swag. And uh, for Season of the Origins, well, let's, uh, let's take it back to the beginning. Why don't we? Let's get this whole thing started fresh and jump back into Between Two Roles with Ryan and Pat. Did you watch Vox Machina yet? Uh, Yeah, I did. I watched it today, actually. It was good. I was very surprised at how much uh, nudity was in the show. Wait, they had nudity? <laughs> Did I miss it the nudity? The very first time you see Scanlan, oh, he's... Oh, bare ass. It's his bare ass, and the, the woman he's with, her boobs are out. Oh, I didn't see uh, that part. I wasn't paying attention. When Scanlan takes the wanted poster back to the group after they get thrown out of the bar, I, spoilers, I guess, uh, and I his pants fall three. down, there's like a little bit... I mean, he's, the people who are listening might uh, not have... You can see a little bit of, of the balls. You see a little ball... Um, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. surprised at how much swearing there was. I have definitely like listened along to to Critical Role at one point in my life, but I didn't expect there to be literal titties and dicks. It's for adults. It's adult time. Yeah. But no, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I I would probably was most interested in the first arc, which is just what it's taking over. Right. So I think they handled Tiberius's exit well just by just not even mentioning him and kind of excising an arc where he was pretty Who prominent. Who was Tiberius? Uh, he was the dragon guy. Oh. So there was like a whole arc. So they, His name was not that. Yeah, it was Tiberius. Tibbs. What? Yeah, Tiberius. In the show? Yeah. Well, not that was the character's name. He was Orion Okaba is his uh is the actor's name but um so they kind of did i watch a different fucking show than that? <laughs> well they don't have him they don't have him in there that's what i'm saying they well that's what i'm right him. okay yes okay that's what i was asking is he wasn't in the show because the dragon guy was general creep in the in the context of the show the live play show they start off kind of after krieg but they have a different arc where they go like underground and they go to like a, this dwarven underground city mm-hmm. and they have a whole adventure in the underdark and they fight mind flayers and all this other stuff and there's another like voice actor who is in the yeah. show who's not in the group he, now he got okay. excised from the group for being kind of creepy uh that's that sucks <laughs> but yeah so he was in it and so they just got rid of that section i think Good. i guess it was too complicated to kind of weed him out from the events that happened or maybe they thought it was uninteresting compared to those the weird guys the vampire people i'm mm. on the briarwoods the briarwoods yeah so I, i'm kind of i think that's a good way to handle it it i mean it must suck to be orion akaba because <laughs> he kind of missed out on, on a huge meal ticket for being i mean yeah kind of a prick don't be a prick <laughs> don't be a weirdo to women i do nasty. like the fact that uh mercer has more than one role yeah they basically like just does, have him copy yeah. and paste as like guards and background people. I do like That's pretty that. Funny. I also didn't expect uh, Stephanie Beatriz to be in this. I think she's a friend of theirs, like IRL. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I only know her from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so it was interesting to see her. And Gray Griffin. Nobody works harder than that woman. She's in fucking everything, <laughs> everything. dude. So crazy. She might be doing... Beatrice might be doing another Dungeons & Dragons thing. So she might be I'll have in to look the, into it. Uh, yeah, I have to look at it. Because I remember seeing her name with something. I could be confusing her with another person. But Dungeons & Dragons getting too mainstream. All these celebrities joining in. It's it's too, it's too complicating the field. Mm. And talking about Dungeons & Dragons and podcasts and stuff. I have another hard-biting question. And you can be as honest or unhonest as you wish. If you could okay. change one thing about our podcast, what would it be? I personally struggle with theater of the mind. So I would appreciate it if we had maps and like tokens and things to move around. That's what I enjoyed about like when I first got into D and D. Uh, the the DM I had, his name is Sonny Finch. Shout out Sonny, you're probably not listening right now. <laughs> um, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but he had a whole bunch of minis and like these set pieces, and we could draw and do all this crazy stuff. We would go into the basement of um fuck, what was that place called? The engineering house on campus was right oh, next to yeah, a frat house. About. Yeah. Yeah. God, what can I I don't think that? it's there anymore. I think they repurposed oh, that it. That sucks. Okay. Well, we would go in there. We'd go in the basement and there was always this like big ass table that people would quote unquote used to study at. They never fucking did. So we would go in there and we'd play D&D. Nice. And it would be like two in the morning and we'd just be playing. We'd order Wingos for dinner and like it was, it was just a blast. So I miss that face to face aspect. The, the physical like things to touch and move and visualize uh but i understand obviously why we can't do that because two of us don't even live in, <laughs> in the same a state. reasonable yeah but like that that's a cool thing about critical role is they all get to like literally show up in the same place and play off each other it's exactly. a lot harder to do that when you're just through a computer screen through a microphone we don't even use video to yeah. like see each other and, and follow along and stuff so a lot of times i get distracted like it's it's kind of hard to follow along that way i think it's been an issue more recently too because i know in the entrenched stuff we've like sometimes the map matters and we've had to like i've had to show you guys the map so we can yeah. better um look at things and i also i think with chowder's adventure with like this big old castle we're going down these long hallways and all sorts of it can be very hard to keep track especially if we're all moving different speeds and doing different things like what is happening mm -hmm. and uh, i definitely do feel like maybe I, I agree with you on that point the theater of the mind we're stretching theater of the mind i think to its limits right the game that I play with my friends is uh, in, uh, what's that called? Tabletop Sim. So that makes it a little bit easier, but it's still, I lack that physical face-to-face -face interaction. Oh yeah, I miss in-person games so much. It's been probably what, two and a half years since I've had an in-person game. Mm -hmm. And I used to, I used to be one of those people that would like, I would kind of do it up. Like if I was going somewhere, like we, uh, one of the big things I used to do would be like D and D brunch where we would have, we would uh, get together cool. like once or twice a month and we would, somebody would host and we'd do some potluck stuff. Like people, one person would bring fruit another person would bring like champagne and orange juice mm -hmm. and you know, there'd be waffles and stuff. And then I would have a weekly game where I would cook something. I would cook something or somebody would order something and we'd all kind of split cost. And that's that was so nice because you, mm -hmm. one you get to hang out with your friends two you get to have you know a nice meal and then you're all like sitting face to face and there's a certain energy from just like having your friends playing the game together that is really hard to replicate online i've not been able to mm -hmm. capture that but i remember someday. we tried to do a game online for a while and it just kind of fell apart yeah we did a couple so i remember you dming the minds of fandelver we, so we ran through the Mines of Feldover, and then I tried to do a Waterdeep game 
uh, like Dragon Heist. And yeah. after the, I think we played like three times and then everybody's schedules just kind of collapsed and it just yeah. kind of faded away into darkness. I'm kind of sad. I really want to play Descent um, into, into Avernus. But everybody yes. I know who plays regularly has already played it and they don't want to do it again. And all the people who haven't played it have no ability to like meet up outside of their lives. Yeah, that's the issue. I haven't played it either. I want to play it deeply. I, I'm saving it because right. I might. Oh. You and me, buddy. Let's do it. <laughs> you and me. I, I might be saying because I play. Do you remember Tony Lyons? Yeah. So I play with him re- pretty regularly. Uh, yeah. So that is my backup game. Uh, if the, if I kill them in uh, Chult, like Tome of Annihilation, my Chult game I have with them, it's probably going to be Avernus next because he's mm-hmm. like that was something that we he he got the book and he's like I'm reading through some of this. He didn't read all of it. He read you know little bits and pieces and he's like this is amazing. I must have this now. We should play this. You should kill us all in Chult mm-hmm. so we can play this. I was like, well, I have a story I've worked out, so we'll see. But there is a there's like in the back of my mind when they're doing really badly in a fight, it's like I could just crack <laughs> open Avernus next week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, if you ever need another player, oh yeah, for sure. If I ever, if I ever get that going, I will. I'll see what, what's up. I love Tony. Tony's cool. Yeah, Tony's great. We're playing with a bunch of his uh, frat brothers, yeah. frat bros, and they're all really nice people. Like some, honestly, some of like they're all pretty broy, and I love yeah. them dearly. And I did not expect them to be as good at role playing and Dungeons and Dragons as I they are. Like when I first met them, it felt like, oh, like are these bros gonna take to this? And oh my mm. god, did they fucking take to this? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> the people I played D anD D with, Sunny. He was playing with a bunch of his fraternity brothers, and I was just like friends with them. Yeah. So we all got together. It was it was very good. No, it's it's great. I think I a lot of people a lot of people look at D and D and they're like, oh my god, that's so nerdy. And then when they like start playing it, they're like, holy shit, this is fun as fuck. I can do whatever I want. It's, you know, you just role playing with your friends. Right. I, I, I mean, I can't wait for an in person game. I'm. I just wish COVID would be over. I wish people could just mask up and get the fucking vaccine, and we could be done. It's just never gonna happen. <laughs> it is sad because at this point it's going to be like the flu where we need a shot every fucking year and nobody's or <laughs> nobody's gonna all the people me. who are anti-vax in the first place are going to be like you're not stabbing me every year why didn't the last stab work well you get the flu shot or hopefully they get the flu shot so we have been playing for a while is there anything that you've picked up as a dm or a player while playing in our podcast because we have that we have a very unique way of playing where we all get to play and we also get to dm a section has there been anything that you've picked up either as a dm or a player from this diverse group of folks i think the only thing that i've picked up from playing in this group is josh's uh <laughs> jazz dming nonchalant way of making every encounter total party killable <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> so i've started like tweaking my fights to be harder as a result not necessarily to the same level but he's like i legitimately want you to be scared for your character's life at every waking moment yeah which i think is like fair to a bunch of seasoned people like us but for a lot of other people that would be intimidating it was definitely it was very fun though soft touch yeah he believed it in was the heart fun. of the dice <laughs> he also gave away magic items willy-nilly so i did that as well it was very fun. Yeah, I appreciated that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and like as a result of just playing more D&D outside of the podcast and listening to more podcasts, I've started to get more into the the role play aspect of it. I think not necessarily in 
the beginning of our show, but I think towards the end of it, I'm starting to do more, and especially in the entrenched thing. Roleplay is such a slippery concept to, like, nail down. It's hard for me, because when I don't have a different voice, it's hard to separate what I am doing versus what my character is doing. Mm -hmm. And I fucking blew dick (laughs) at that uh, That New Yorker Brooklyn New Yorker accent, and I just hated listening to myself do it. But... Uh, Josh was already doing the the high fantasy pompous <laughs> asshole like type shit, yeah. and that was the only other one that I could do at the time. Entrenched, I have that like loosey goosey uh, California boy type <laughs> voice that I can go into. In another campaign that I'm doing in uh, tabletop sim with some of my friends, I play a murderous ten year old who has gotten experimented on by aliens and they like made him go through an accelerated version of puberty. So he sounds like this. <laughs> and it's like the funniest fucking thing. Cause I started talking to people and they're like, how old are you? And I'm like, Oh, I'm 10 years old. <laughs> I've murdered that. like 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. So in one of my other games, do you remember Sam? Uh, yeah. Sam Hurley. Yeah, And when we first started playing, uh, it took a little bit to get her to a place where she could role play. And she's still a little occasionally kind of like, oh, I just want to do this thing. And I try mm. not to push it because, you know, I just want my players to be happy. But, you know, I, for some people, it's it's definitely a um, it's hard to get out of that. It's hard, shell. To, get, it's hard to get into that place. It, it, yeah. It's hard. And it I know for Jasmine, it's incredibly hard. I think her main hurdle from playing tabletop RPGs is that she's very um, self-conscious of looking like a fool and like the idea of i think a lot of people are like that you're very self-conscious you don't want to look dumb trying to balance all of these rules in her head so she's always saying the correct thing and then Mm. also adding a layer of like being a different person on top of that i think it's very stressful for her Mm -hmm. um so that's one of the reasons i think she stays clear from it because like one of her biggest things is like i don't 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 make me look dumb i don't want anybody like don't make me look a fool and like at a certain point it's like i mean it's dungeons and dragons like you're like everybody does dumb stuff i'm not gonna like yell at you or make fun of you but (laughs) like it's we're all playing make-believe here like at a certain point you're going to be riding a pony and the pony's going to make a fart joke or something like Mm. it's all going to be weird and dumb or we're going to be trying to break out of a prison and we're going to turn into an octopus exactly like stupid stuff is going to happen or we're going to try to get all these people to (laughs) to go to one section of town by promising them a raffle to get on our boat no yeah and it's going to go absolutely (laughs) great and it's not going to ruin everything at all (laughs) so it sounds like you play at least a at least one or two more tabletop rpgs outside of our main uh, outside of our podcast uh do you do you play tabletop rpgs often or is it just like kind of when you get it in when you can fit it in type of deal so the one where i'm playing a murderous 10 year old we play on sundays um and it's it's the dm is pretty flexible so like if you can't make it he'll come up with an excuse why your character wasn't there or whatever so mm-hmm. i try to make it whenever i can but obviously i'm not there every single sunday um when it comes down to just like other games, the most I've ever fit in is like a one shot mm-hmm. here or there. When it like, I would love to have a a game where I could like play in person, okay. but at this point, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, especially because I think like one opportunity for that would be like Adventures League, but I do not mm-hmm. think Wizards of the Coast has started up Adventures League yet. I mean, I could be wrong. It might be maybe depending on the local area, but it used to be you could go to a game store. I think it was like Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. and it was basically guaranteed 
that you would find a table like an open table that you could drop in drop out whatever your schedule was mm. um but i don't know if i don't know if that's an official thing that they've brought back we're definitely closer to the end of our podcast than we are in the beginning do you have do you think you have a favorite arc and it's okay to say that your arc is the favorite one i think i liked matt's the most honestly matt's was because good. of the whole the whole uh and also your lucky, guest, your lucky guest that we'll all have to live down. I was, that was not luck. That was all skill, skill baby. That was um, your Sherlock Holmes moment. It was actually yeah. kind of your Sherlock Holmes moment. <laughs> the wet boy. The wet boy. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my so, God. I thought Matt's was good. Having the, having us try to have to like figure it out within a single day and like try to, get everybody on on board with what was going on was was interesting and it was definitely very frustrating at times too because like we would get so far in a day only to have something go wildly wrong yeah. or run out of time and then we would have to reset and start all over um but we also got to debate the <laughs> a lot of <laughs> bait's abilities to turn into animals during that arc with yeah. the dolphin portraying itself as a shark the <laughs> octopus being able to squeeze through openings the size of its beak a lot of a lot of uh nature was was found out in that arc and i thought it was very good yeah i think that's maybe my favorite arc too because we had a lot of fun with that one it had a fun i because i i mean i've i've heard of games doing that concept i think what adventure zone had something at least semi-similar where they had kind of this looping back and forth yeah but i had never played that uh form before and then also it gave me jerry um mm -hmm. yeah the, the birth of Jerry and also didn't Breadman? Breadman came from that also. So many Bread was in that, yeah. That's just like a, a classic <laughs> arc for Dice Populi. So many of the memes of our podcast came from that arc. It is and very good. It gave Matt his voice for entrenched. Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh man. And uh so we've played we play Dungeon and Dragons 5e, of course, and it sounds like the other games you play are Dungeon and Dragons 5e, is that correct? Yeah, the only other system I've I've tried Pathfinder for like a couple sessions and it was just a nightmare. <laughs> it's uh, a fun I nightmare though. Our our DM was not very experienced, so it was very difficult to keep everybody on on track. Um, and I first started playing in Fori, um, with that group in the basement of that house that I can't remember the name of. Um, I thought Fori was fine but obviously it was my first system mm -hmm. so like i didn't have these the same experience of all these people who had come from 3.5 and pathfinder switching over to 4e and realizing that it was like a lot more dumbed down but as a beginner i liked the dumbed down aspect of it all right yeah. but yeah now now it's all 5e it's all 5e and, and then we play quest uh through oh, yeah, quest. yeah have you tried any other systems or are those just the only ones that you've been playing the only ones that i've played I know Colin really wants to try um, Cyberpunk. I don't know if we'll do that. I really want to try some sort of sci-fi system when it comes to down time to to pick a new one. Yeah, but, me too. Um, the other thing I've the other thing I I am interested in is the new stuff that's coming out about Sixty, where they are removing the stat bonuses from the races. Mm. So now you can just like make any character, any race into any class and do well with it. 
well, if you're the kind of person who likes doing well with your builds the future is now because it's not yeah. even a sixy thing so they released uh they released that gift set that's like three books so it's like tasha's and then like i thought that wasn't out yet though it is out so it's out but it's in a three stack like if you want to get it now you have to spend like a hundred something dollars uh the individual book which is like morden kanan's multiverse of monsters mm-hmm. it's gonna come out in may but i have a copy um oh, okay. because i bought the 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 gift set and they actually that's a thing now so they switched out they changed a bunch of the races all of them so there's like 32 races and it doesn't cover all of them um there's a few that are missing in there like big ones like dwarves humans a couple other things are not in there i think most of the stuff from the player's handbook is not in there but it switches out a lot of different stuff it gives like orcs brand like they basically redid orcs goblins hobgoblins uh bugbears to a lesser extent um they read they added some features to genasi but yeah they changed all that stuff and none of them have all 32 of those none of them have uh a set increase to their stats it basically in the mm-hmm. beginning it says you can choose to increase the stat by one and another one by two or three stats by one and they also got rid of languages so you can choose common and then one additional language across the board for a particular because I, I know for like aracocra because they changed aracocra a lot actually so they got rid of they still have a fly speed but instead of 50 feet it's 30 feet and then they made their talents better but they also got rid of it because it used to be that you get aracocra rn and common now you can only get one of those well common that and a one weird. extra because like i would expect a dwarf to know dwarven yeah. and an elf to know elfish or elven whatever i think that's that's so they, they don't really so they have some elves in there so they have like elf like creatures so like eladrin mm-hmm. are in there they have a durgar oh, brought them back nice i loved eladrin yeah i had in 40 i had an eladrin sword mage which was ridiculously fun yeah they they've made them a little punchier so them and shatterkai which are like shadow elves mm. they used to be like you could teleport once in a, a longer short rest now you can teleport a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier so you can like jump yeah. in and jump out which is actually That's really cool. it makes them really good but no yeah so the future is now i have no idea when those stats are going to be more widely available because i think they're still filtering out into the wild but the future is now wow I like it that way, honestly. Like, it feels bad to want to play a certain race in a certain class and, like, have the, the racial trait give you something that you don't care about. But yeah, it's the way she goes sometimes. It's nice that they're kind of molding it a little bit and it makes it a little more flexible. Yeah. So now you can have... it's. It used to be very difficult to have an orc wizard. Now it's the same amount of difficulty for an orc wizard as it is anything else, which I think is kind uh-huh. of nice. Um, They're also... They also changed up a bunch of uh npc blocks for like uh enemies so wizards are completely different now they have more like spell like abilities and their spell list is way condensed mm-hmm. so i think it's basically to counter counter spell so like you can't counter spell a spell like ability you can only counter spell a spell <laughs> so it's a soft nerf to counter spell all the way through uh-huh. which is something that's recently mean, come up in our games where yeah, chowder is very counter spell crazy where he's counter spelling my counter spells counterspelling your counterspells which are counterspelling his counterspell already so many counterspells so i think we're we've come to a relatively good place here i think we we're, we're hitting the we're hitting the end of our time limit i have one final parting question that i can't remember if i did this with Colin or not but it's one of my favorite questions to ask people what is your most favorite experience as a dm or player and it could be something it could be a general thing that you just love to see happen or it could be a specific event there have been a lot of really good moments, honestly. As a DM, I liked watching you guys try to figure out the puzzles that I put yes, in the, the 
uh in the the campaign that i did the thing that i liked most as a player i think happened very recently in one of the games that i play in the game that i play outside of this um i got an item that i roll every day and like based on i roll a d8 and based on the number i roll i get an animal companion for that day Ooh, i like that and uh, as a 10 year old i am very short and everybody like <laughs> makes fun of me because i'm a short little kid and they think i'm like weak or whatever but i got like a fucking i got a giant elk Ooh. and i was like oh my god i am finally tall and i <laughs> i jumped up on my giant elk and i rode it around town all day like just declaring how tall i was we went to an apple orchard and i picked apples off the tree because i could finally reach that's amazing and then i didn't realize that at the end of the day i wouldn't have my elk anymore oh, like no. it only lasted for a day so i went to bed with my elk and then i woke up and he was gone and i was just distraught <laughs> And I was running around like with my party and I was like, oh my God, Reginald, I will they remember you forever. Me. So now every time I use the bag of tricks, I just name whatever animal comes out of it. Reginald two, Reginald three, whatever. It's a, <laughs> it's a running crazy. gag. I love that. Like the puzzle thing. I, you, when you're talking about the puzzles as a DM, I, as a player, I love a good puzzle. And as a DM, yeah. I really appreciate a well-made puzzle. I thought your puzzles were very well done. It's hard to come up with something that's, like, easy enough that they're not going to spend a shit ton of time trying to figure it out, but still, like, hard enough that it's not a, a, a gimme. Yeah, it's got to be a thinker, but not so much of a thinker that they feel like you get disabused of it and you're like, oh, I don't know, let me roll for it. Yeah. Um, well, but no, I thought the, the I, thing that I like doing, though, is, like, if I, Patrick, am a dumb sack of shit <laughs> and can't figure it out, but my character... <laughs> is a high-int wizard who's, like, super smart, I would appreciate if the DM would say, your character sees this thing and, like, yeah. give me a hint, you know? No, yeah, I understand that. It can be hard. Like, it can be hard to come up with a riddle that kind of rings yeah. true in that way that makes sense without, like, having me, like, oh, well, like... Because it's so hard to give a hint to a riddle sometimes and it make sense right like help yeah. the riddle but not completely give it away. It's such a tricky... such a, like, a thin bridge to walk across. Ugh. yeah. I gotcha. But anyway, that's, I think this has been a great conversation. I, so I think we, we definitely got off subject with a lot of stuff. We talked about a lot oh, of yeah, for sure. Trains, subjects, but trains, that's all automobiles. That's all part of this. It, we're, it's more about learning about us as people, not as like D and D players. So I think uh -huh. this has been a really good conversation and it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy this. I've enjoyed, I enjoyed it with Colin. I think I may, I probably enjoyed this even more because I think I'm a lot closer to you than I am to Colin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. We definitely. I don't know a ton about Colin in general. He's a mystery to me. So unraveling him was interesting. You told me before you were doing it. And I would have given you all these things to like bring up to, to be like Sean Evans. Which brings me to my <laughs> other thing is eventually I will need you to order a whole bunch of hot sauces so we can do spicy waters. I would do that. I would definitely yeah. do that. We could uh, we could record it. Like we could even do some video so that people could see the pain and tears in our face. Oh yeah, I will be crying for sure. <laughs> but uh, that is a another wrap on between two roles, the podcast where we break the line between person and Dungeons and Dragons player, 
and we kind of we get to that meaty center and figure out who they are as an actual person so uh i hope you guys enjoyed this and we'll probably do another one i gotta figure out who i'm gonna do next it's either matt chowder or if I, maybe i could snag josh if he's not too busy we'll see that might be a surprise but i hope you guys enjoyed this and uh, if you have any additional questions that you would like to ask me or pat our discord is available it's a dice populate discord maybe lob a question or two there and then we can add, perhaps. We could make this an yeah. interactive thing. Could go to our Twitter at Dice Populi. That's also a thing. You could ask us questions on Dice at Dice Populi. We also have an Instagram, which is very similar. I hope you guys enjoyed this. You guys have a great evening or day or whenever you're listening to this. All right, bye. Bye-bye now. Come and be.